0: Welcome to American Patchwork and Quilting Radio, your one stop for creative inspiration. We have a terrific hour of ideas and tips for you today, so let's get to it. Here's your host, Pat Sloan.
1: Welcome to American Patrick and Quilting's podcast. I'm your host, Pat Sloan, and this uh, show, we have a whole lot of fun people. And first of all, I get to meet somebody brand new to me, which is always the best thing ever. Michelle Bartholomew's work, I saw it out actually on Instagram. She was participating in a project, and I saw her work, and I thought I just really loved it, loved her photography, Loved her stories about her work. And so I am excited to have you here, Michelle. Thank you. So let me get a little backstory story because um, get people to, to know a little bit about you. You are one of those uh, awesome mixes of techie and creative. <laughs> You're an editor, photographer, designer, um, but you also have nobody in your family who sewed prior to you. Is that right?
2: That's right. Yes, I'm the first person to sew, and so I'm self-taught. I just read blogs and watched YouTube videos. Um, but my dad's an artist, so I feel like I got a little bit of that artistic gene from him.
1: Ah, yeah. So you know, my, nobody in my family um, sewed sewed either. Like my mom, my grandmas, my great grandmas, nobody. Um, yeah. But I don't have any artists either. <laughs> <laughs> what does your dad do? What kind of art? Uh,
2: He's a cartoonist.
1: Oh, cool. So I don't
2: know how directly that translates to quilting, but (laughs) it was a lot of fun growing up getting little birthday card cartoons and all of that.
1: Oh, how neat. So when did you first decide that quilting was speaking to you creatively?
2: Um, When we were building our tiny house, I was doing a lot of research um, on interior design stuff, and I just came across this blog post on modern quilting, and it just, like, stopped me in my tracks, and I just, like, I can't believe something like this exists. It's so cool. I think, like, my designer self just saw all these really cool graphic designs, and I just had to try it.
1: You know, I think that there. You know, I can see that from your from your work. Um, it, I love the balance and the aesthetic that you have. That's, um, it's really appealing to me. Like when I look at your work. So when you made your first quilt, did you get hooked like immediately, or was it like, ah, uh, well, maybe this is it? I was totally hooked.
2: It was like. <laughs> With all of my things I like to do, like photography and design, it was like all the pieces kind of fit together in this puzzle when I discovered quilting. And I just knew, like, oh, this is it. This is for me. I love it.
1: Now, do you still, you live in, when you say a tiny home, you mean those, like, really, really ones that look like a shoebox?
2: Yeah, it's those ones, like, um, you see, they built them on trailers, and you can, like, Mm -hmm. take them around. Ours um, (laughs) is under 200 square feet with a Ah. loft and we actually just moved out of it but we lived in it for about 2 years.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like living in a in a a Manhattan studio. So
2: <laughs> Yeah, I think people in New York probably are like, what's this tiny house thing? We do this all the time.
1: Right, right, you know, or living in somebody's <laughs> walk-in closet maybe. That might <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So, one of the things you mentioned was uh, mentioned to me was that you know living in a small space you had to work a little differently. Um, how do you think that that made your design choices? yeah,
2: i didn't have a lot of room, obviously, and so I really got into making like smaller quilts, mini quilts, even mini mini quilts and <laughs> It just made me really focus on one project at a time and making sure like, what I was designing was what I wanted to make because I didn't have a lot of room for excess projects and fabrics that I wasn't going to use.
1: So you pretty much were probably making something and finishing it, too. Yes, I had one one
2: thing going at a time.
1: Oh, wow. Which is
2: good for That's... my productivity. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I can't imagine that, one thing at a time. That's like... <laughs> So like when you say mini mini are were you doing like were they like mug rug size?
2: Yeah, they're like um 5 inches or less and it's kind wow. of this, um movement that started on Instagram where we just make these little tiny quilts and swap them with each other and it's just it's such a fun challenge trying to make something as small as you can.
1: And do you do do you take all the like if you're doing a patchwork block do you take it all down to very small pieces as well? Yes. Oh, I wow. think I was
2: trying to think of my smallest. I think I made a flying geese block that was half an inch
1: <gasps> big. Wow! <laughs> Did you use a <laughs> lot of starch? I mean, how'd you how'd you work with that small piece? Um, mine are
2: pretty wonky. I'm gonna be honest. <laughs> <laughs> um, I yeah, they're pretty wonky, but they're yeah. so cute and fun that it doesn't even matter.
1: Right, right. You quilt it up, you use it, and it's loved. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Now, one of the things that I told you I wanted to, to, to sort of pick your brain about uh, was, you know, photography, because you are a photographer by trade. Uh, do you still do that for, mm-hmm. for business at all? I don't. When I had my daughter, I decided to stop, um, mm-hmm. because
2: basically I was a wedding photographer for about eight years, and doing that you pretty much give up every weekend of your summer, especially somewhere like Washington where it rains, other parts of the year. Mm-hmm. So I just really wanted to spend that time with my family.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. But your, your aesthetic, I mean, I, I wrote you a note, I think on Instagram asking like, how many hours did it take you to prop that photo? <laughs> because... <laughs> it was so gorgeous. I'm super impatient, um, Michelle, like really, really impatient, but I <laughs> love photography. Um What, you know, you, look at things obviously with a lot of training but what can you give us a couple of tips for those of us who want to take really cute pictures of our quilt blocks to share or our finished quilts because you know fabric is unruly
2: yeah i would love to share some tips it's one of my favorite things um the coolest thing about a lot of tips is it doesn't matter which camera you have um so you don't need fancy equipment i just use my iphone for most of my photos Mm-hmm. And they look great. So the first thing um, would be to use natural light. Um, lighting and photography is the most important thing. So you want to have natural light but not be in the direct sunlight. So mm-hmm. when I'm outside, I look for a place um, with open shade, which is kind of like the shade from the building um, or something like that where it's not like a dense, dark, foresty shade, but just like a light okay. shade. Mm-hmm. Um, where the lighting is even, so you're not getting like speckled light through a tree or something.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And, or just an overcast day. It's kind of the same thing. Like the sun is just being diffused by the clouds. And that's where you're going to get your best photos just because of the lighting is so nice and even. And inside, I like to go by a window that's not getting direct sun and turn off all of my overhead lights because they cast like weird colors. Oh,
3: okay. And just,
2: Put your work by the window, and sometimes I'll take a white um, poster board and hold it opposite the window to bounce that light back onto my project Uh to get rid of the shadows and make a nice, even light over my project.
1: Oh. I did not thought about turning off all the overhead lights. That's a great tip because, you know, many of us have actually different color lights even in our space. Yes, Exactly. Okay. So what about like a full quilt? Because I think, you know, rather than, you know, making something that's a little more attractive rather than just a flat shot, you know, you want to show it either Mm -hmm. being used or, you know, how can you make that so it looks nice? Exactly.
2: Uh, One of the things I like to do is to use some furniture as props, either find a chair or a dresser or a couch and drape it over. Mm -hmm. It just adds, You know, it just gives some life to the quilt so it's not just flat. Mm -hmm. You can also just hang it from the top in the middle, um, pretty much anywhere, and you'll get those really nice natural folds on the quilt. Okay. And then I think another thing is, like you said, just to use it, like drape it around yourself, fold Mm -hmm. it up, take it on a picnic, just show it being used and loved. And I think those are some of the best photos.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think I would put your kid under it. Uh, exactly. Throw it over the dog. That could be cuter than well, maybe that. not yeah. the dog. That's
2: <laughs> why well, so many oh, these... dogs. <laughs>
1: Th- those are really, really good tips. Um, I appreciate it because I know people are always, you know, we're we're very um, visual group as quilters. Um, so yeah. you know, we want to show something nice. And we'll also like get rid of all the clutter right around your stuff. Yes, exactly.
2: Just make sure when you're about to take your picture, look around and make sure there's no clutter um, or anything else in the background that would be distracting from your work, because, you you know, you want to have all the focus onto your project.
1: Right. right. You know, so not the kitchen with the, you know, the breakfast dishes <laughs> on the counter still. and. Uh... Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Move to the side a little bit, get that out of the focus. Um, (laughs) Now, tell me about, you were invited to do this project called 52 Quilters, which is um, a a website, and it's run uh, mostly on Instagram, I guess, where you, for one week, are featured. Um, What was that like?
2: It was so fun, yeah. It's mostly on Instagram. They also do have a blog and a Twitter and you get to mm-hmm. spend the week sharing um, your favorite projects and inspiration and kind of your life that week as a quilter. And mm-hmm. it is such a great way to discover new quilters. And I met so many wonderful people during my week. And it was just the quilted community is just so awesome. And it just felt like I was kind of just getting to meet everyone and show them my work and what it was about.
1: We have like about one minute. Can you tell me one thing that sort of stood out from the week for you? Um, Well, my favorite
2: thing was the photography Q&A that I did where I had people ask me photography questions on Instagram. And it was such a cool way to kind of share my knowledge and also get to know people and what they're trying to figure out as far as photography
1: goes. Yeah, that's where I wrote you probably. (laughs) Yeah, I think it was.
2: So yes. I got to see you, which was awesome.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that is so neat. Now, one more tip, if you give me one more tip, since you have a, a little person in your family now, uh, does, yes. how do you get sewing time in? Uh, well, luckily, she still naps
2: right now, um, but oh. yesterday, I really wanted to sew, and she was awake, and so I built her a mini design wall and gave her my bag of scraps, and that bought me about... Fifteen minutes of sewing time. <laughs> where she could just throw scraps up on her little design wall.
1: Oh, that must be so adorable. How old is she? She's one and a half. Oh. <laughs> oh, that's so cute. Michelle, this has yeah. been so much fun.
2: Oh, it was a blast. Thank you so much.
1: Um. everybody can visit michelle at her website michellebartholomew.com which also has a link to instagram so you can go visit her there um, we are going to take a little break and we'll be right back with american patchwork and quilting
4: podcast boost your sewing skills from start to finish with daily tips from the editors of american patchwork and quilting visit tips.allpeoplequilt.com for inspiration
0: Hi, I'm Linda Augsburg, Executive Editor of American Patchwork and Quilting, and I'd like to invite you to join me in making pillowcases and creating smiles. For people who love to sew or quilt, it's so easy to lift spirits and bring smiles to hospitalized kids, homeless families, and others in need. Simply join American Patchwork and Quilting Magazine's One Million Pillowcase Challenge. Make one, two, or many more pillowcases and donate them in your local community. You'll create just as many smiles. Join the movement today. Find complete details, download free patterns, and record your donations online at allpeoplequilt.com backslash pillowcases. Quilt along with us in 2016. Join our third annual Quilt Along by making a quilt, a one-block pillow, or all four projects featuring plus sign designs. Visit allpeoplequilt.com slash Quilt Along for a list of participating bloggers and designers, and to see photos of what staff members and other readers are sewing. Share your photos on social media using the hashtag APQQuiltAlong to join the fun.
4: Follow American Patchwork and Quilting on Pinterest to find ideas for bags, baby projects, pillowcases, storage and organization, and more. Visit Pinterest.com backslash APQ magazine to join the fun.
1: Welcome back to American Patchwork and Quilting's podcast. I'm your host, Pat Sloan. I can't tell you how excited I get to talk about applique because, you know, that's one of my favorite things in the whole wide world. Um, it gives you such freedom to do anything you want on a quilt, any kind of shape. And Casey York has written this incredible new book, a technique book with all kinds of applique in it. Uh, and she makes it with a modern twist, a modern aesthetic, which is really fun to see. So we are going to chat applique. Casey, I am so so happy to do that with you.
3: Oh, I'm happy to be here. Thank you, Pat.
1: You know, when you first started quilting, did you like, you know, discover applique right away or did that happen a little bit later?
3: I discovered it right away. Um, The very first quilt I ever made was an applique quilt and it's because I wanted to put shapes on it that just wouldn't have been possible to piece Um, and then that kind of continued, um, what really got me into quilting was when I made this quilt for my son and he wanted bumblebees and dandelions on it. And obviously that wasn't something I was going to be able to piece. Applique was really the only way to go there. And I fell in love with it.
1: I think that's so funny. I mean, some people would probably try to piece those bumblebees, but,
3: uh, I'm sure some people could, but I am not one of those people.
1: (laughs) It's. I, I always said, you know, I, want, I had to learn to applique because I wanted to put flowers on my quilts. And mm-hmm. it's just so much better. Now, when you started thinking about this book, because what's fun, which I really love about it, is that you put in, like, all kinds of techniques. Because it takes a little bit sometimes to find the one that speaks to you, Right.
3: Absolutely. Um, What I really wanted to do was kind of throw open the doors of applique to specifically the modern quilters out there who sometimes have been a little bit slower to embrace applique techniques. And I think one of the reasons that they're slower to embrace them is because they're intimidated because it's like you said, there are so many techniques out there and it takes a little experimentation to find the one that works best for you. So I wanted to kind of write a book that presented as many techniques as possible so that people could pick and choose what appealed to them and maybe try several techniques so that they could find that one that was the perfect match.
1: Yeah, it's fun to try the different ones because even, you know, you might think, oh, I'm not going to like that one. And then you try it and you're like, hmm, no, that's it. That's, I found it. It's gold. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, (laughs) How many did you end up putting, how many different techniques did you end up putting in your book?
3: That is a really good question, um, because I have, I, 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 the easy answer to it is that there are technically as many techniques as there are contributors to the book, or as, as many projects in the book. Um, I think that what C&T put on it says that it masters seven skills, but mm-hmm. there's so many sub-techniques under applique that I really think that it's really a lot more varied than that even. So we do raw edge applique and turned edge applique, uh, applique by hand and applique by machine. There's bias tape applique. There's reverse applique, both, again, by hand and machine using a couple of different methods. And there's even some freeform techniques like improvisational applique.
1: You know, when, what's also um, uh, really fun and fresh about your book is that you invited um, Contributors, you know, people that you admire mm-hmm. that have the aesthetic that you were looking for to submit their work and you mm-hmm. publish it in your book. How did you
3: decide, you know, who to invite? Oh, that's also a really good question. um I have been doing applique for long enough at this point and when I started doing applique and when I started getting into modern quilting, I did a lot of internet searches and mm-hmm. there's actually, it's becoming increasingly popular, but there were a couple of people who have been doing applique from the start and who are really, I think, kind of leaders in this technique and in this field. So I definitely reached out to them. Um, and then there are some people who haven't necessarily published quite as much, but I knew that they were doing spectacular applique work. And so I also reached out to them as um, kind of a way to include some fresh new voices that maybe people hadn't rec- uh, wouldn't recognize necessarily yet, but who are really up and coming.
1: So when you um, did you like assign people the a uh, particular technique? Did you say, oh, I would like you know, would you do raw edge for me, or you know that
3: kind of a thing? Well, I kind of people with an eye to trying to represent as many techniques as possible. So Mm -hmm. I did start with an idea of what techniques I wanted to include in the book. And I looked for people who specialized in that technique, or who were really well known for it. So for example, um, Debbie Griska, I had known for a long time as a really skilled in bias tape applique, and Latipa Safir as well. And Mm -hmm. so I asked them if they might Consider contributing a bias applique project specifically because I knew that that was something where they'd really shine. Yeah,
1: I, I like that part because it's it's fun. Uh, you recognize work that you know you've seen, but then they have something unique unique for your book. Um, mm-hmm. What what is one of what is your current me- uh, go to method, um, Casey?
3: Well, I started out doing um, a technique that I called embroidery-finished applique, um, which is a really fun, really relaxing, but very time-consuming method that requires some (laughs) hand embroidery. Um, So now I usually do just a raw edge applique with fusible web, but a specific subset of that that I love right now is brodery purse. Um, Brodery purse is a traditional technique, actually, that was – initially used to stretch uh, precious pieces of chintz fabric because they were very expensive. So quilters would cut motifs out of them and then arrange them on a plain background fabric in a pleasing design. And it is perfectly suited to the kinds of large-scale designs and fabric patterns that we have available now in the modern quilting movement. So you can do lots of fun things with it and use up some of these fabrics that have beautiful motifs on them that you can't really bear to cut into little pieces for piecework. And it works really well with a raw edge applique method with fusible web because you can just use the fabric pattern itself as your guide for cutting. You don't need to transfer any templates or anything.
1: What you know? I really love the um, the project, which is your project in the book um, that uses that technique. Can you describe what you did?
3: Thank you. Um, that is actually my favorite project in the book. It's called Corona de Flores. Um, I found this wonderful Alexander Henry print um, called. Frida La Catrina and it had these beautiful Mexican folk art inspired flowers on it. And what I did was I simply applied fusible web to the back of that fabric and then cut out all the flowers and arranged them into a wreath motif on the top of my quilt background fabric. So it was it was very simple. It was somewhat of an improvisational type of uh, arrangement activity because once I cut out all the flowers, it was really a free-form process in terms of placing them into this reformation. So, But right. people are surprised when they see the fabric that I use because the fabric has a really dark eggplant background, and the background oh. fabric I used in my quilt is white.
1: Yes, that would be wild because you can't see. You cut away all the background, so you cut right, right. on the edges, like of a leaf, of a petal. Um, Absolutely, it's, yeah. It's beautiful. It is just Thank beautiful. You. How big is that quilt?
3: Um, it's not a huge quilt. It would be a good lap size quilt, although okay. I prefer it as a display quilt. But mm-hmm. it's about 60 by 70 inches.
1: Oh, okay, so it's a little bigger than I – because I, I was thinking maybe like, you know, 30 by 30. Would That would be another good size you could try.
3: Absolutely. And I'm actually going to be teaching some classes and workshops on embroidery Purse, and we're using a standard uh, – um, yard of fabric as our background fabric. So starting out with a, a 42 by 36 inch piece as the background, which is a little bit more manageable for a workshop level of, um, time.
1: Right, right. There's, I just think that that is, that's the, that's the piece in there that I'm like, ooh, that's, uh, that's really, really fun because you could oh, even do you. it with other images. Like if somebody mm-hmm. was doing maybe a children's print that they were using, I don't know, I'm just thinking like space stuff, you know, like rockets and, you know, oh, like a children's great. print. That would be kind of cute.
3: To... Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I've been having so much fun picking out fabrics to make the samples for these workshops. <laughs> I'm actually working on that this week. So, um, and, and it's, you know, it's, you, you kind of, you, it's, it's an opportunity to let the fabric kind of direct your process, which is really, really fun. Yeah, and
1: and thinking of of like a wreath, um, you know, you're probably going to have fun options your students will bring, so you'll have mm-hmm. to you have to share them. I can't wait to see. Uh, oh, absolutely, yes. Now, Casey, one of the things that you um, mentioned to me was that, oh, you know, and I think you, you write about in the book, it's like, oh, you can mix techniques. When would somebody want to mix applique techniques? What would be a good a, a reason or is it is it for, you know, aesthetics or another reason?
3: Well, we, you know how we were talking about earlier how people often will try several different applique techniques and settle on one that feels the most comfortable and enjoyable for them? Mm -hmm. And the nice thing about applique templates is that they are generally prepared without a seam allowance on them. And so if I wanted to take a project that was a turned-edge project, like Jennifer Dick's Bell Squirrel Quilt in my book, or um, Lynn Harris's Fading Foliage Quilt, which are both turned-edge techniques and turned-edge projects, I could easily take those templates trace them on diffusible web and do those projects as raw edge projects because that's the technique that I prefer to use. And one of the reasons I prefer to use it is that it's a little bit faster than needle turn or turned edge techniques. Similarly, you could take a lot of the different templates in this book and even if they were meant for a raw edge project, you could turn the edges under. So it's really just being able to adapt the different projects and designs that you like into a technique that you've mastered and that you feel comfortable with
1: what is one of your uh i'll say one of your uh other sort of unexpected maybe quilts that showed up from a designer we have like about a minute is there one that you were like wow you know that wasn't what you were expecting
3: Well, you know, I know a lot of these designers, and I count a lot of them as friends. I count all of them as friends now Mm -hmm. after working on this book. Um, So I was pretty familiar with a lot of their work, Um, but especially in the profiles that I included. When I started researching people that I could write profiles on, I saw some really spectacular artistry, Um, and that was very impressive. So I included that in the book, too, to kind of inspire people to see where they can take applique as a technique.
1: I like that. I love hearing why that's in there now because you have quilts that your guests um, made that are not in the book because they're in the guest patterns or, you know, galleries or whatever. Mm -hmm. So it's fun. It's Mm -hmm. really, really fun. It's a
3: great addition, Casey. Thank you. Thank you. I was excited to be able to include that because I think, you know, the more you see about the possibilities that are opened by applique, the more inspired you get to kind of try your own thing with it. Well,
1: Casey, this has been so much fun. I wish you great success. Your book is just
3: wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's been a pleasure to be able to talk with you about it.
1: And everybody can visit Casey at Casey-York.com. We will be back uh, after the break, and I'll see you in a minute. See you in a minute.
0: Choose from more than 100 of your favorite patterns from American Patchwork and Quilting, Quilts and More, and Quilt Sampler. All available online. by downloadable patterns today at apqshop.com. Hi, I'm Linda Augsburg. Join me for a fun video series called Show Me How, brought to you by Baby Lock. Each month, I'll show you how to complete a simple project from start to finish. Learn new techniques, see tips, and sew a great project with me. Visit allpeoplequilt.com backslash
4: videos to watch. Get two full years of American Patchwork and Quilting delivered right to your door for the price of one. That's a full year free. Every issue is packed with never-before-seen projects from top designers, detailed photography, complete materials lists, and easy-to-use pull-out patterns and quilting diagrams. Subscribe today at allpeoplequilt.com.
0: See what other quilters are up to on the American Patchwork and Quilting page on Facebook. Simply go to facebook.com and search for APQ Magazine.
1: Welcome back to American Patchwork and Quilting's podcast. I'm your host, Pat Sloan. The very talented Nancy Mahoney is back with me today, and we're going to chat the whole rest of the show about paper piecing, and we're also going to talk a little bit detail about our style of quilting and our color palettes and, you know, sort of how we evolve. So, Nancy, thanks for being here.
5: Well, thanks for having me, Pat. It's always a pleasure.
1: You know, I got your new book the other day and I was just like, yes, paper piecing with photos. This is fantastic.
5: <laughs> yeah, it is fun, isn't it? To see it in photos rather than illustrations.
1: Yeah, I'm, um, I'm all about like, let's, let's see hands on there and where are you holding things and all of that. Um, it's, uh, it's great. So I, I do want to know first, when did you, did, when did you first encounter paper piecing? Because, like me, we've been quilting a long time, so it's probably been a long time ago. Can you remember?
5: I actually, I do. I started paper piecing back in the, oh, it must have been early 90s.
1: Oh, my goodness.
5: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> long time ago, long time ago. And, you know, at that time, there weren't very many printed patterns. What we really um, had were. Stamps like rubber stamps. Oh, okay. And you would use an ink pad, and you would stamp your take your rubber stamp that was your design, and you'd stamp it on your ink pad, and then you either stamp it on paper or you'd stamp it on fabric.
1: Oh, uh, you know, I sort of remembered those, um, encountering those early on. I think I was too new though to um, to explore it. I was like, oh, there's more things I
5: have to buy. I don't know what that is. That's like. Right. And, and, you know, I still have mine, believe oh, cool. it or not. Well, that's probably not that hard to believe. but Right. <laughs> but, and they were really small, so you'd do like three-inch blocks.
1: Yeah. And
5: I did a quilt, small quilt, that was mm-hmm. three-inch ocean wave blocks, and I still have
1: uh, them. Oh, my gosh. Three-inch ocean waves. For those of you who don't know what an ocean wave is, it's a lot of triangles.
5: A so, lot. Uh, and these were like, uh, I don't know, three-eighths-inch triangles, really tiny. Lot really, and I did
1: on paper. Lots of paper. Lots of paper. Wow! So when you did your first one, when you first encountered, can you remember if you liked it or did you say, "Oh, okay, did that? I might try it again
5: down the road." Well, you know, I I did like it. I did mm-hmm. like it most, all of it, um, mm-hmm. because I've always really liked scrappy quilts, and I've always liked intricate quilts and tiny pieces and you know it's just kind of been my thing all along but um what i didn't like was taking out the paper Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
1: yeah that's um you know th- way back you know i i know that working on foundation when people say work on foundation is usually meaning like when you said you stamped on fabric um did you do a did you do much of that where you used the fabric instead of paper
5: uh, not much, because what I found was that it made it too bulky. Adding uh-huh. that extra layer of fabric just made where you had to put the blocks together. Mm-hmm. There was just too many seams and too much fabric, and it was just really hard to get really sharp points. So I tended to always stick with um, paper.
1: Uh, you know, that's a really good point. I hadn't thought about that, because sometimes people do it for, like, string work, where there's a lot of bias, so they'll use the foundation, and it's not intricate um right. but that that's an excellent point on the intricate so uh what i'm i i'm curious about have you do you have any like old blocks i have some old blocks that are on a uh, newspaper
5: i do as well i yeah. do as well i have some that were actually put together and it's kind of a partial quilt top um and it dates back into the early 1900s
1: wow I think mine's like from the 1950s or something, and we one of the pieces of the newsprint has um, price of cotton in the shop.
5: (laughs) (laughs) And and quilters did, you know. I mean, paper piecing goes back that far, and and a lot of times it was done for crazy quilts or, like you said, string quilts, where you're just sewing strips onto a onto the paper, uh, and you're not concerned about the grain of the fabric.
1: Yeah. So let's talk about, um, current day paper piecing, which is your book is called Learn to Paper Piece. And, uh, I want you to, to walk me through just a little bit, um, about the concept of sort of quilting by number.
5: Well, that's really the basis of foundation piecing is that you're going to start almost every foundation, um, pattern i've seen has been numbered unless it's string piecing but if it's got any kind of design it's going to be numbered and you're going to start with piece number one and you always put piece number one wrong side of the fabric to the unprinted side of the paper and then you put piece number two uh, will go right side on top of piece number one and what confuses people is then you need to flip that whole thing over and sew on the side of the paper And you're actually sewing on the line, and you're going to sew on that line that's between piece number one and piece number two, and then you press it open, and I trim at that point, and then you put piece number three on, and you just keep working in numerical order. So that's really what.
1: Yeah, following it like that. It's like once you get it started, isn't? Sometimes that's the key, isn't it?
5: Right. It's getting it started, and that getting that. Remember that. And I tell people, it's like you have to think backwards. You have to think in yeah. reverse, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like dancing backwards or and trying to look at yourself in the mirror. You just have to think about it in a different way. And once you get in the rhythm, most people say, oh, this is so easy. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think it is a rhythm. It's like if you do just one and you're like toss it and say, okay, you know, but if you do a couple of them, then all of a sudden it's just like, it's like that mind memory thing, right? So it like clicks in. It is. It is. So I have a question um, because <laughs> I think we all do this. You no, know, and, and we will do it many times. Is we decide to be somewhat frugal, and then we don't have enough fabric to cover the area. What are some tips to you know avoid that?
5: Well, I like to pre-cut my pieces, and so if I'm doing a shape that's a square or a rectangle. I'm, gonna add, I'm just going to measure that shape, and I'm going to add three-quarters of an inch to an inch and cut a square or rectangle that size so that then when I put it on my foundation, I know that it's going to cover the area. And that's what frustrates people more than just about anything is mm-hmm. that they'll sew a piece on there and then they have to take it off because it isn't right. big enough. Yeah,
1: I think it is the absolute number one reason why people may never continue is that, it, and, and I think we all get to be like, we're like, oh, well, I have this scrap. It'll fit. It'll um, fit.
5: Yeah. <laughs> and so, you can, you can sort, you know, kind of um line it up and flip it open and see if it will cover, hold it up to the light. But, mm-hmm. you know, all of my patterns in the book Uh, tell you to pre-cut your pieces and what size piece you need so you not only know that they're going to cover the piece but then Mm -hmm. you can go so much faster it just goes so much faster to already have your pieces pre-cut and you can chain piece you can assembly line sew that way
1: oh my gosh that is the best reason ever to to pre-cut is that it goes faster um i hadn't really thought about that 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 once it's all cut out then you just like then the fun starts then you just sew sew sew
5: Right, and if you set up an iron beside you and maybe a little cutting mat, you can just sit there and sew all day. Of course, that's probably not good on your body.
3: But, <laughs> put that put that iron across the costly.
5: room.
1: Get yeah. up. That's like yeah. – <laughs> um, Now, pressing, because I think pressing is more key than people realize. Can you talk about that a little bit?
5: Well, it is, and, and for smaller pieces, I tell people they can go ahead and, and finger press, Um, or use a little wooden press, you know, some kind of mechanical device that you're just pressing it open. You're not really using an iron. Mm -hmm. Um, but some of my blocks you do in the round, so you're sewing all four pieces on, and that's okay to finger press in between, but then get up and press with an iron. Um, and really, you're gonna press to one side. There's no option about pressing open when you're paper piecing. You're pressing to, the seam allowances are going towards the piece you just, um, sewn or stitched on. so that part is important, and you want to press and make sure you don't get any tucks along the seam lines. And people will say, well, I don't have a very sharp point. And I say, well, you have a tuck right there, and that's why you don't have a point.
1: Ah, so, yeah, so, is just, so it's really important So it to be flat before you put the next piece on. It is. Yep.
5: Yeah, it is. It's just like now, in regular piecing. You know, pressing is important.
1: Yeah. It's, it, do you ever recommend starching your fabric for this?
5: You know, I don't starch a lot of my fabrics, but I don't, also don't pre-wash my fabrics. And mm-hmm. so they still have that residual finish in them that, that they have when they come off of the bolt. And that gives them that little bit of body. But if mm-hmm. you pre-wash them, you may want to. You may want to starch your fabrics. The one thing I always caution people is that, particularly if you live in certain parts of the country where you have silverfish,
1: mm-hmm.
5: silverfish will eat starch. And so you want to yeah. make sure that you wash your quilts.
1: Yeah. Yeah, wash wash those afterwards, or Mm -hmm. use one of the non-starch, you know, fabric. Yeah, one of the
5: products that doesn't have the stuff that the bugs like to eat.
1: So, so tell me now uh, about how to uh, some tips on joining this. You have some great photos in the books. You have a whole section on joining it, but just we have about a minute and a half. Just talk me through. You know, do we take the paper off first? You know, what's the best way to get two paper-backed units together?
5: Well, if I'm sewing units together, I generally will leave the paper in um, and sew, you know, pin like I would, like I normally do, and mm-hmm. then remove the paper just from the seam allowance. And it makes it easier then as you're sewing them together. Okay. I like to plan my, this goes back to the pre-cutting, and I like to plan mm-hmm. where my seam allowance, uh, or excuse me, where the straight of grain is going to fall so that I have straight of grain around the outside of my block. Okay. And I take the paper out when I finish the block. As soon okay. as the block is finished, I sit down, watch T V, listen to the radio, whatever, and take out my paper. Because I have straight of grain around the outer edges, it's like any other block that you sew. Mm-hmm. And then it's yeah. easier to put the blocks together and you don't have to deal with the paper as you're quilt grows and it gets bigger and it gets heavier and it's harder to maneuver around in your sewing machine, the paper's gone.
1: Yeah, that's what I, that's, that's a great tip too, because I don't like having a larger piece with all this crinkly stuff that doesn't, you know, it's just bulky and it adds weight. So you've got. It
5: does. And you know, Pat, sometimes it makes it harder to put your blocks together because you don't have that give that you sometimes need to be able to ease Mm -hmm. in a little bit. The paper won't allow you to do that. So if you've removed the paper, you can ease pieces together so that everything matches the way you want it to.
1: This is awesome, and we are going to take a break, Nancy. Okay. And then when we come back, we'll do just a little wrap-up on the paper piecing, and then we're going to talk about uh, some color and fabric and everything else. So we'll be right back after the break. Looking for fresh, simple, and fun projects and ideas? Check out the current
5: issue of Quilts and More magazine at your local quilt shop or on newsstands.
4: Join American Patchwork and Quilting on Facebook for daily quilting inspiration, tips, giveaways, and more. Find us at facebook.com backslash apqmagazine. See our editors share their tips, ideas, and techniques by visiting allpeoplequilt.com and clicking on videos.
0: Take an ultimate shop-hop tour of 11 top quilt shops. You'll find them all in the current issue of Quilt Sampler. Available now at your local quilt shop or on newsstands.
1: Welcome back to American Patchwork and Quilting's podcast. I'm your host, Pat Sloan, and I am talking to Nancy Mahoney. We, I want to just give a little wrap-up on your book, Nancy, because uh, the projects in here, do they go from, you know, do we have some easy ones up to something that's, you know, that we can practice points and things like that?
5: We do. We do. There's one, there's uh, there's several different types of projects. There's five projects in the book, and they go from a very easy, not very many pieces pattern to one that's, um, you just start in the center and you sew quite a few pieces in the round, and then one that has sharp points
1: i like the fact that we that you get to practice sharp points the the quilts are amazing um even the easy one is like it may it's so it looks crazy fun like it more complex than the block actually is good job
5: oh thanks <laughs> no that's what i like i like when you look at my quilt that there's kind of a visual puzzle and you're trying to figure out where the block actually is
1: yeah, that's uh, well. You did you did a good job. Um, Nancy's book is Learn to Paper Piece: The Visual Guide to Piecing with Precision by Martin Gale, of The Patchwork Place. So we're gonna change gears, Miss Nancy. And okay. um, one of the things is I want to talk about style because you know quilt styles, what kind of quilts we like. You know, I you've been quilting a little bit longer than me, but over time we change, right? We do. Most of us do. Yeah, I think most of us do. I do, I mean, you teach, I teach, so we meet a lot of people and we get to talk to a lot of people about their quilt making and what they like to make. And I have noticed that occasionally there's, I mean, often, you know, there's just, there's groups of people who have a style and they love a style. And I always think you can visualize this one best, like Civil War, like the people who love Civil War. What do you, what do you notice about that?
5: Well, I really have noticed that those People who love Civil War and, and that's great. I'm, I'm happy mm-hmm. for them. Um, they kind of, that's what their thing is. They just really like that look. They like those style of prints. They like that colorway. And that's the kind of clothes that they make over and over and over.
1: Yeah. And I also, when I talk to people who, um, enjoy that style, which I love too, is that they often have their whole home decorated like that. They're into antiques and they have, um, that whole era is, is really speaks to them. But then a lot of us quilters, we change it up over time. I know I've right. changed it up a few times in my, in my career. Um, so, you know, how often do you feel like it, Nancy, like that you change up what appeals to you?
5: Um, you know, I think it has a lot to do with the types of fabrics that are available. And mm. as the fabrics that come into the marketplace change, my style of quilting changes. Mm-hmm. And I started way back in the 90s. And, you know, I like to collect antiques. And my style then, back in the 90s, was kind of that brown color palette. Because that's mm-hmm. what we saw in the stores. And that's what was available in the stores. And I've gone through 30s. I love 30s fabrics and working with those and that bright colorway. But that kind of led me then into an even brighter, cleaner color palette. And that's what we see in the stores today
1: and i I also think that the um because we now have the internet, and uh, I always like to joke, you know did you start quilting before the internet or after the internet uh, <laughs> because it changes what we can see. we can see things all over the world and different color palettes that we wouldn't have noticed before um what when, some, when things start to change, like I just went to, to Paducah. Have you gone to a show lately, like a big show where you could go walk and see quilts?
5: I was down at AQS in um, Daytona Beach.
1: Okay. There, there and did they, Daytona, what, what Daytona caught Beach. your eye when you were at that show?
5: Um, what catches my eye nowadays is the quilting, as much mm-hmm. as anything. The explosion of color in quilts, but also the intricate quilting. Yeah, yeah. Machine
1: I was in Paducah and I uh, saw like a whole Japanese exhibit um, and I loved the aesthetic and the different textures because they weren't just regular quilting cotton and it was more minimalist and they were a lot of symmetry, but a lot of asymmetry. So that was the quilts that I loved. Um, when, when you need, when you start feeling like a, like you want to change to something new, but you have like all this other fabric that you've been working with, what's a way we can, can move and transition to make something in a, in a new to us color palette?
5: Well, I think one of the, the easy ways to do it without getting yourself really a, um, invested in something where you don't, not sure if you're going to like it or not is to make mm-hmm. up some mock-up blocks and make like a color board and try these different colors. Put different colors together in a block that you're not sewing. You're just maybe drawing an outline on a block or maybe you're printing it out on a, using a computer program to print it out and you're just cutting pieces that are that shape and gluing them onto the piece of paper. And it, it's kind of fun, you know. It's, it doesn't, there's not a lot invested with it as far as fabric goes, but mm-hmm. you can really learn a lot about color and whether you like a com- color combination or not.
1: That's a great idea because you don't have to actually sew them up. Um, no. <laughs> no. It's a little faster, maybe. Um, you know, even like a little you know, like those covered design boards that you're portable, you could even just lay stuff out on
5: that to try it you if could. you didn't want to keep it. Um and it's fun to play with it, actually. You can take just a board, you know, get, go to the, you know, your office supply place and get like a uh, thicker board, fo- foam cord board. Put mm-hmm. a little flannel or a little felt on it and cut out your pieces and just stick them on there yeah. because it's going to hold it. And then you can hold, you know, set it up so you can see it from a distance um, and play with it and rearrange them and try some different things. I think trying is what's important for people is to try things. You may not like it. But then you mm-hmm. know you don't like it. Right.
1: That's what you learned. <laughs>
5: yeah, that's What's... what you learned. And, you know, I learned this a long time ago. I remember somebody saying this to me a long time ago. We don't always know what we like, but we mm-hmm. always know what we don't like.
1: That's, you know, that's a good thought because I I can relate to that. You know, you, you were like, okay, that wasn't it, you know.
5: Yeah, that wasn't it. Oh, that doesn't work.
1: Yeah. yeah. That didn't feel that didn't float my boat. So um, try something else. You know, the other thing that might be a good way uh, for people to try something outside of their norm would be to buy a kit. Yes, exactly. You know, it's all picked out for you. The colors are all picked out. If you like the finished item, then you can just experience. Cutting, you know, having yardage of that and cutting it up and sewing it, and saying, "Yes, is this where I want to move? Do I want to go towards this feel?" Um, What do you, what do you think? What's a tip for somebody, Nancy, where they they want to transition away? Maybe they're making a big change. They're like, you know, now I want to change. You know, maybe they move to a different state. Maybe they move from the the north down to the south, and it's they want to go to a lighter color palette. How can they start? sort of building that um, for their collection?
5: Well, I think pre-cuts are a good way to start building some other colors into your collection without a huge investment. And normally a bundle of pre-cuts will have um, a whole range of fabrics that work together and are meant to work together. They've they've Mm -hmm. been designed that way to work together. And so if you like the the Bundle as a pre cut, then you can put that into your collection and start incorporating that into your quilts. And you know, sometimes just switching from a, using a cream background, maybe you've always used a cream background, use a different background color. Use a white or use a black mm-hmm. as a background color, and that will make your quilts look entirely different. Yeah, and if you play
1: with, um... A, uh, like, like electric quilt or something like that. You can, you can mess around in there too with a different color palette. Oh, by all means. I do that
5: all the time. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. Then, then you can, you know, it's, it's not the real deal, but it's, um, it gives you that, you know, difference between white and the black background. Um, because if you're using dark fabrics and you want to go against a black background where your dark fabric part is going to need to lighten up, otherwise it won't show up,
5: right? Right. But you could yeah. use a gray. You That's might use right. a soft gray. Um, yeah, and I think of electric quilt as, you know, we, adult coloring books are really popular right now. Well, mm-hmm. electric quilt is the same way. You're just creating yeah. a design, and then you're just playing with the colors and seeing how colors can work together. And, and electric quilt is really good for that.
1: Now, what color palette have you been looking at lately or noticing yourself? I mean, is there something like every time you see it, you're like, oh, you know, you kind of get that, oh.
5: Um, you know, I really like orange these days. So mm-hmm. I've been seeing a lot of quilts with orange in them, and I've been incorporating mm-hmm. more orange into my quilts. It's not something I've used a lot of, and it's probably one of the colors when I, I arrange my fabrics by color mm-hmm. you know, as, as, when they're on the shelves, and I don't have a lot of orange fabrics. So that's something I've been trying to use more of, and I've been noticing it more in quilts.
1: Yeah, it's funny. It's like when you, when you you know buy like a you know teal color car, and then you see like eight hundred teal color cars, you never noticed a single one prior. You know, it's like right, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Nobody <laughs> like had teal. not never does.
5: I'd never made a purple and green quilt. And then one day I thought, well, you know, I'll just do this applique. I'm going to do purple flowers, green leaves. And I like the color combination so much. Now I've made probably 10 of them. But it's just, you know, it's just a color combination I just never worked with.
1: Well, I've been really, really interested in gray, yellow, white, gray, yellow, off-white. And I haven't gone I don't have the right fabrics here you know I have some grays I have some yellows but they're not what my vision is so that's on my horizon you know I need to I think find a design and then go build you know a fabric you know get some fabric that'll do that gray
5: yellow Um, yes yeah yeah and I've seen some of that and I'm I'm really intrigued by it as well
1: yeah, and it's, it has to be the right fabrics. That's what I've been sort of looking at because when I'm teaching, people will bring those in and every mm-hmm. so often somebody has one. I'm like, yes, that's it. That's, that's, that's what I'm thinking. Um, so, oh, well, this is good. You know, people should explore their, uh, any new color options they want. Make an easy quilt, right, Nancy? Right, exactly.
5: And, you know, I tell people in my classes, The worst thing that can happen is you have a charity quilt. It's something that you can, you know, you don't have to keep it. If you don't like it, make it a charity quilt and give it to somebody. They will love it. That's
1: right. Or or a child, you know. They just need something to cuddle. Yeah. Nancy, this has been so much fun. Thank you for joining me again. Oh,
5: well, thank you for having me. It's been a blast.
1: Yeah, everybody can visit Nancy at uh, nancymahoney.com. And there you can see her teaching schedule and find her books and everything else. Thank you, Nancy. Thank you, Pat. We'll be um, back next week with a new show at American Patrick and Quilting's podcast. I'm your host, Pat Sloan. See you then.
0: Remember to visit allpeoplequilt.com for more information on topics from today's show, as well as how-to videos, free printable patterns, and additional tips and techniques. Thanks for listening to American Patchwork and Quilting Radio.
4: and thanks for listening keep in touch American Patchwork and Quilting is on Facebook, Pinterest and Instagram at All Quilt. email us at apqpodcast at meredith.com resources for this week can be found at allpeoplequilt.com slash podcast and if you love the American Patchwork and Quilting podcast please subscribe on your favorite podcast app for free and don't forget to rate and review the show it helps other quilters find us Have a creative week.